We're going to do some of my top 10. Let's see. What's a good one? This is Petey Page. I am Mike. J-Mac. Brutal Dudes. Top 10. And so this is a this is just like a prompt of like, hey, what's your top 10 whatever? And then we go for it. Yeah. Okay. This is a good one. Top 10 books of all time. Yeah. It's a tough one. Petey, you want to start? Oh man. Um, I think I just I think so when I think of like books, I think of like things that just like capture my attention and like suck me right in. It's like if it's a book that I just like I can't put down, that's that's what that's what gets me. Um I think my number one would maybe I should start at number ten. No, I, I would have to start at number one. Um The Bible. Uh no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh uh God, it's so crazy that like it's a book that I've read multiple times. It's a book that still gets me, but it's where the red fern grows. Um, yeah, it's like a young adult novel. It was interesting because my teacher in fourth grade read it to us and I was just enthralled. I was just like latched on and paid attention every day to know where the story was going. And then I read it myself in fifth grade and I read it again as like a young adult, like 19 or 20 just for shits and giggles and it still holds up i still really enjoy the book and like what it talks about um it's it's probably like my most favorite um after that i would have to say the lord of the rings trilogy so that'd be like two three four but i would be two towers first fellowship two towers second fellowship third and the third one fourth um two towers i blasted through that book because it's just so good and like the action scenes are amazing and you're right in the middle of the shit um fellowship's a little long and drawn out but it's the start of the adventure so like it is what it is and um the third one is very like um i read it up until like they threw the ring in the volcano and then there was like a hundred more pages talking about the party afterwards and i was like i think i'm good um <laughs> yeah uh after that i'd have to say watchmen the graphic novel the original um that book was like game that was game changing i read that and i was like jesus christ is fascinating like it changed my view on um graphic novels um and then another graphic novel well two graphic novels mouse one and mouse two i, I love those books i, I fucking love those books <laughs> i bought a class set for my students so we could read it like i spent my Remember? own money i dropped like 200 dollars on a class set of mouse and i had i still have them because they're mine i paid for them so like uh i'll never not Fuck have them. you kids they're mine right exactly um and then I suppose we got like two more left to go. Um, I think it's funny because, like, I oh, Neuromancer, probably number nine. Ah, that was a great book. That was our class, right? Were you in that class? Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I read that book. It was for that class, and I um, yeah, I still think about that book. That book was real good. Really good book. You read it? No, it's really good. Who is it's it? William Gibson. Gibson yeah, right? William Gibson. It's a like a it's a, a noir detective novel that takes place in like a cyberpunk. It's like the first iteration of like cyberpunk fiction, and it's the first time like internet was used, and it's it's crazy. It's really it's, good though. It was all that cool speculative shit like Johnny Mnemonic and all those mm. fucking like 
transplanting people's brains into fucking robots and shit. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. That was one. That was one of my favorite classes. That was my. Uh, she ended up becoming our frat advisor. Uh, her name was Dr. Karen Fitz. She was awesome. She was like a southern lady. She had a southern accent and everything. She was cool as shit. She was our frat. We had to pick a, like a, a, a faculty member to be our associate. And I was like, we got to do Dr. Fitz. And my all my frat brothers were like, you want to get a girl teacher to be our... I was like, I'm telling you, this lady is cool as shit. Trust me. Let me handle this. You guys are fucking dumb. I'm the one that's going to go under greatness, okay? And they were all like, okay, you are the smartest. And I was like, right. Like, we you know, are dumb. They're like, we are pretty dumb. We are fucking stupid. Like, yeah, I'm the best looking. I'm the smartest. I'm clearly the most intelligent overall. So let me handle the smart stuff, okay, guys? And they were like, you're right, Jimmy. That's cool. Right. Yep. But yeah, Dr. Fitz was cool shit. But that was, we read to read that in her class. I was like, oh, I love this book. Uh, and I think I got I think I got one more. Um fuck. There's a I guess book called fuck? No, 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 no. Um shit, I can't remember the name of the book. Uh hold on. Give we should me, make a book me. called Fuck Shit. Fuck shit. Um by just, brutal some, dudes. just some crazy fuck shit by brutal dudes. Um Comedy. The Bible is number ten. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, it's a book called The Crystal Shard. It's written in '88 um, by this guy Ari Salvatore. He still writes books. He writes yeah, books. I know. I know Salvatore. Yeah, it takes place in the dungeons and like it. Ta- he uses the Dungeons and Dragons like monsters and universe to like write a book. And he's been writing. He's been he's been writing a book about a character for like since since even before 88 but there's a book called the crystal shard i read that and i was like that kind of like got me into his writing and like that and like just really reinforced my love of fantasy and like dungeons and dragons and nerdy shit like that um i don't know what does he do when the tip gets dull huh what does he do when the tip gets dull how do you sharpen a monster i have no idea you said he uses monsters and stuff from dungeons and dragons to write the novel Nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> he uses the in- today. <laughs> he uses the intellectual property. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it 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 it's. I don't know if it's he better written. Dragon rock to the paper. Right. <laughs> I don't know if it's super well written. I haven't read one of his books in a while, but like I just remember being super into it, and like it had way more magic than uh, Lord of the Rings, and I was like, this is fucking cool. Like he yeah. has a shitload of novels. He does, and it's all like it's all takes place within like Dungeons this. And this well, it's it's like Icewind Dale, which is like a, a a world that uses like Dungeons and Dragons monsters and classes and races and so on and so forth. And like, yeah, he has like forty or fifty something books. It's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's my top ten, just right off the top of the dome. Go ahead, Slugger. You're up. So the Bible of Mein Kampf, Turner. Is. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, expect nothing less. Yeah, beep, beep. I mean, I, this order could probably change, but I would go with The Thief of Always from Clive Barker. Ooh, I've heard of it. I never read it. Really good book. I mean, I'm a huge fan. Almost any of his books could be on there. Thief yeah. of Always has kind of a young adult vibe to it, though, which is very much unlike his full adult books like most of them are yeah um i wouldn't say it's written for a young adult audience but you could read it to a kid or a young adult could read it and so i I like that even though it's his book that casts the widest net i feel like it's just as impactful as all of his other books 
Um, Hound of the Baskervilles is oh. really a big one for oh. me. I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan oh, in Holmes. general. Uh, Hound of the Baskervilles is really up my alley because you get sort of a darker gothic kind of vibe to it, but it's also it also leans the most into what we would think of now as like a buddy cop kind of setup as well. So you've said that before, I, yeah. Yeah, I really like that one a lot. Um, Less than zero is a book that I'm a big fan we of. We were just um, talking about that. Yeah, from Brett Easton Ellis. Uh, it's it's That's, part of. I knew I yeah. recognized the name. I've read stuff from it, but I never read that. It's part of a series a series of of loosely connected books. It's Less than Zero, American Psycho, Psycho. is the second book. Rules of Attraction and Imperial Bed. Oh, Rules of Attraction was him. Yeah, I saw that movie. That's all part of a, a loosely connected story. Uh, the first two books that were a lot more intense, Less than Zero and American Psycho. American Psycho though is it's more over the top, but in a way that is meant to be comedic. Yeah. Whereas less than less than zero was criticized for how dark and violent it was. So for the second book, American Psycho, he intentionally made it that much more over the top, just to kind of a middle finger to the critics kind of thing. But people didn't really understand that yeah. at the time. Um, I don't like the movie adaptation of American Psycho. Really? The movie adaptation of Less Than Zero, though, I love. I've never seen it. It's not very accurate to the book, though. So I know for a long time the author didn't like it. He embraces it now. Um, it's not super accurate to the book. That's how I feel about Wanted. Okay. Um, it's nothing like the comic. Yeah. But it's great. And the author actually was like, no, this is a good this is good. I like Yeah, it. and I, I think that's where, where Ellis came around to her, where he was just like, this is a good movie. Like, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with my book. Alan Moore is the same way. He's a prick. <laughs> Apparently, he's a prick about uh, adaptations of his of his stuff into movies. Even if, like, you go 100% like, to what he wrote, he's still a prick about, oh, it sucks. And I'm like, okay, dude, like, they're still good movies. V for Vendetta was a great movie. Mm. I I would argue, though, too, like, and weirdly, American Psycho is actually a little bit closer to the source material, but I would argue, particularly those first two books, are kind of unfilmable the way that they are. Yeah. Because they're just, there's so much particularly sexualized violence in it, you couldn't make a mainstream movie of it with any kind of reasonable budget. Oh, you mean like Stephen King having a child orgy? Right. To get them to remember where to go (laughs) in the the sewer? So there's just so much of, of Less Than Zero that you can't adapt that I'm not sure exactly what he thought the movie was going to look like. You um, you, met, you mentioned that, and when the new It came out, I was like looking up. I don't remember what I was looking up about about the new It, it but then like that came up, and I'm like, you're fucking joking. And it's just like, it could, I, like, I'm like, oh, no, 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 this happens. This, ha- this really happens dude, in the book. <laughs> dude, when I read it in the book, like Mike told me it was coming, yeah. and I was like, no, I'm reading It. And, it's, and he goes, let me know when you get to the orgy scene. And I was like, Okay, you're like that's uh, weird. Funny. This is a children. I'm thing. like, okay, story about little kids. And I'm like, where's this going? There's not. I can't possibly be coming. And I don't, and then I saw it, and I was like, holy shit! Yeah, here's the orgy. They're running a train on a girl. Yeah, to remember where They're the like, fuck oh my they God, are. We're lost in the sewer. What if we all just fucked? Yeah, I know what would. I know what would solve the mystery of where we are. Fucking, <laughs> just just like so many great Scooby Doo episodes when they were lost in those endless hallways. Yeah, like what, that's what it was. They're Shaggy's like guys, I got it. Bend the dog over again. <laughs> Daphne, <laughs> Daphne, lift up your skirt. We can't find where we're going again. Yeah, not neither of the movies so far has the uh, talking turtle god either. So yeah, you know, yeah, we're which missing out? Which child orgies and talking turtle gods? Which again, for me, was like I didn't. It like kind of came out of nowhere. 
Which one? The orgy or the talking both. turtle god? Both. You weren't That's expecting either of them. No. <laughs> I wasn't expecting I knew that something happened with turtles all the way down. <laughs> yeah. But like because that's like a that, that's like a uh, some kind of stage of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about it in uh, what the fuck is the name of the, the video game that covered it? It's the Terry Gilliam video game that he made. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, talking about yeah. It, there were, that was the basis of the game mm-hmm. because it's like a it's like a school of thought yeah. that that's what the Earth is propped up on some religion or some some goofy bastard said that we're stacked on a bunch of fucking sea turtles or some dumb yep. shit. It's not real, but the. Stephen King heard that and was like, child orgy what? He was like, oh wait, I know what would make them believe a turtle god could save them in another dimension. I would throw Stephen King on there, but Cycle of the Werewolf. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm a huge uh, huge fan of werewolves as monsters. I feel like they're underused, and when they are utilized, it's not always the best. They don't get the best representation. Do you, speaking of not representing werewolves with the best, mm-hmm. uh, my sister reads genres of books where monstrous creatures have love affairs like in love novels so she was reading one i think it was a werewolf and a witch fall in love and i don't remember what it's called but i was doing i was doing goofy fucking introductions to him like hallmark movies like he's a werewolf that can't find his way she's a witch who can't seem to brew up love they met in an elevator at a sears what's gonna happen you'll find out on witches werewolves and which way do we go she was so fucking mad at me because I just kept doing it. And I was like, every time she told me she was reading a book, I would come out. I was like, he's a swamp creature who doesn't know he smells bad. She's a vampire who can't seem to get anyone to give blood. What happens when these two crazy cats wind up at the same speed dating event? It's like, and I was like, she's like, that's literally what these are, though. I was like, yeah, I know. It's fucking cool. We could write one of those. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, speaking of vampires, I guess I would have to go with Lord of the Dead. Um, it's a good book, but it introduced me to this whole idea of like these books that are sort of alternate takes on history, which I was unfamiliar with mm-hmm. this as a genre. So it it opened up that kind of whole world to me. And I have a tattoo from the book on me. Uh, so, like like other dimensional. No, sort takes of like history uh, or different looks at it. No, other dimensional takes on it, like a fictionalized yeah. recounting of history. So, like the 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 man in the high tower. Yeah, that kind of stuff, which is phenomenal, by the way. But yeah, Lord of the Dead uh, for that specific reason. Um, then I'm going to do a Pete Dead and go with three books because it'll make it quicker. But also, it's true. Um, the scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, I heard they're they're good. I haven't read them. They're Fuck awesome. Yeah, dude. So good. And I didn't mention this earlier, but um Clyde Barker in many of his books, there are illustrations because he's also a painter. Um so in a lot of his books he does he does the cover artwork and does some illustrations. Cycle the Werewolf also had illustrations in it, not by Stephen King, but by a comic book author. Um what I love, not only are the um scary stories down in the dark really good, they're young adult books. Um, they take uh, modern folklore stories and retell them for kids, but um, the artwork in it is incredible. It's some of the best. Uh, it, but- it literally gave me nightmares when I was a kid. I remember taking uh-huh. the one, the one, the story about the woman that was like trapped in the chimney. Like they like like boarded her up in the chimney, and mm-hmm. like the whole entire page is like her like rotting corpse face and wispy hair. I remember turning to that as a kid, like 
audibly screaming and throwing the book and I had a nightmare that night. Like it literally scared the shit out of me as a kid. Nice. It's fucking perfect. It's such a it, and they're so good. The stories are so good. Yeah, they're I mean they're they're traditional folklore stories. They're they're well told though in a way that works for young adults and I I've reread them as an adult. It's still fun. Quick read. The artwork is incredible. So all three of those for me would go on there. So what am I now? Five, six, seven, that was eight. Yeah. So I need two more. Mm. And we're not see now I can't do my trilogy of the Bible, Minecraft and the third others. If I did it? <laughs> just, I could just reread that. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is weird because I forgot it, it's a quick book. I had forgotten that he creates another person in the book. Oh. A friend of his who doesn't exist in real life, who's with him for every event of the book. Like his his imaginary friend who's with him for every event in the book. And it's super fucking weird. And maybe at the time I just didn't know enough about OJ. Is his his friend's name Juicy Juice? Ecto Cooler. Throwback to OJ. Capri Sun. Capri Sun. His buddy's Ecto Cooler. It's a throwback to our previous If I did it, Capri Sun would probably put the straw inside of Nicole's throat. The yeah. murder, the the most, the biggest letdown in the book is the murder because in his hypothetical, if he did it, he doesn't remember doing it. Like he shows up at the house. Spoiler alert: He shows up at the house, gets into an argument with her just as Ron Goldman like gets there, and he tries to like intervene. And OJ thinks he's there to like pick up his pick up his wife or whatever, but he's there to like drop off something that she left at a uh, restaurant. Um, she forgot glasses or a phone or whatever it was that she let, I guess glasses it would have been too old for her phone. Um, and at this restaurant, he was, somebody worked at the restaurant and was just dropping it off and him and OJ and his imaginary friend are there. Cause this guy is literally everywhere with him in the book. And I'd forgotten that this was a weird device that he chose to go with. Um, so for a minute, I thought he was going to say this guy did it like the imaginary friend, which would kind of be funny. Like I would, I would kind of be okay with that if that's the direction he took. But he, in the story, like the murders are, are like a paragraph. Like he shows up, argues with Ron Goldman, and then he blacks out and wakes up and he's covered in blood. Yeah. And the friend is like, dude, you fucking, like, you lost your shit. His imaginary friend. And he's like, what happened? The imaginary friend guy? He's like, you you just killed both of them. Just break ketchup all over the place. Yeah. He's like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And his friend, like, drives him away. It so wasn't heights, guy, though. It wasn't heights. Yeah, the imaginary friend like helps him escape and shit. It's weird. <laughs> Sounds a little bit weird. It's a weird, and I don't know how I forgot that this was the direction that he went with it. Super fucking weird. Um, so my my next book is Hollywood Rat Race by Ed Wood. Ah, um, it was his autobiography about how to get into independent filmmaking. For anybody who doesn't know, he he's an infamous. Director, there's a biopic where Johnny Depp yeah. plays him, and no, is it Depp or is it Michael Keaton? Johnny Depp. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the Ed Wood. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. I was thinking of um, Johnny Dangerously. Oh, okay. Which is a fantastic kind of based on that, that, oh, yeah. that genre, that era. Yeah. And um, Ed, I'm a big fan of Ed Wood's stuff, not in an ironic way. Like I'm just genuinely, his stuff is weird and weird. I, <laughs> 
it's weird, but it was, it's for as, as off putting as a lot of it is. And people like to make fun of it. It really was pioneering for like independent film at that time. Cause like people didn't just go make movies. Like you had to go through studios and you, and he, he would just go and like raise money and make a movie, which was like an unheard of. They were like, what the fuck are you talking about? You just, he's like, yeah, just give me money and I'll just make a movie and it'll be our movie. <laughs> like, that was like a weird concept that people were. What? Yeah. But he wrote an autobiography. He wrote a lot of books, actually. They're in very varying quality. Um, he wrote an autobiography, though, called Hollywood Rat Race, which is, it's weird. It's a bizarre all over the place. It, it is, it's a stream of consciousness recounting of his career late in life when he's a full-blown alcoholic. So, and that's exactly what that sounds like it would be. Like this deranged, unhinged ramblings. And it's, it's good though. If you're a fan of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then what I have one more, this one's going to be tough. Cause I really want to put like a graphic novel or something, but there's just so many yeah. that I love. So this is where it's going to really be hard. Um, so I might, cause I want to put another, cause Clive Barker made a lot of great graphic novels as well. But I don't want to double up. You know what? I'm going to go with Goosebumps. Uh, the first Goosebumps book, the Dead House book. That was um, good. I like um, Slappy. The, the, the Slappy's good. Yeah, the uh, puppet one. Yeah. I like the one Night, where... Night, of, Night or, of the Living Dummy. I like the one where... The show was always really good for me, too. But I like the one where they... Uh, you find out that they're on a different planet and they're about to... Do, it's like space, It's like the camp. And there's oh, a werewolf on the camp, and it's getting them yeah. ready for going to Earth. Have you watched the new Goosebumps show? No, I heard it's good, though. It's really good. I heard yeah, it's good. I, I heard the movies with Jack Black were both good. So this is... I, I wasn't aware, but I believe this show is the same producer as the Jack Black yeah. movies. And it's it's really good. Yeah, I want to check it out, because I used to love... There was, a, there was a series of shows that came out around that time that were, like, really good mm-hmm. serial shows. I don't know if you guys remember. Do you remember Erie, Indiana? Yeah. I still love yeah. that show. It was so well written and done. I, I liked Erie and then I liked Goosebumps, but more than both, I loved Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, the revival uh, that was, was a classic. Horrid. I did not watch the revival. Horrid. They, they lasted like four episodes. Yeah, something. I didn't watch it. No, it the original Are You Afraid of the Dark? Original show was incredible. Terrified me. Yeah. The one where, the, where you get caught in the mirror world, scared the shit out of me. Getting caught in the pinball machine, scared the shit out of me. The fucking mm-hmm. hand... Whereas Grandpa comes back from the dead, scared the shit out of what, me. What was crazy about Are You Afraid of the Dark? Goosebumps, the books, were a little more edgier than the show. The show kept it pretty PG. And Are You Afraid of the Dark, kids straight up died yeah. in that show. And right. I'd forgotten that. Like, I started showing them to my nephews years ago. And I was like, holy shit. Like, these kids are in very real danger. Like, kid characters die in this fucking yeah. show. And they, the way that they would skirt around that is they're telling a story. So it's okay in the end. Yeah. But... During the actual episode, like characters died. Dude, Zeke like, the Plumber was—I was terrified. Oh, yeah, terrified. Yeah. Or that, Zeke the Clown. Zeke not the Clown. The yeah. That's that's probably Zeke the Plumber is even more terrified. Zebo the Zebo the Clown. Yeah, that's probably my favorite episode. That's fucking terrifying. The I, I the the pinball one has to be my favorite one where he's like yeah, he's dude. stuck in the fucking pinball game and then like he gets out and everything's cool and it's like ball two and it appears again. I was like, holy shit! Yeah, uh, that was fucking. That was a terrifying fucking show um all right is it my turn it's your turn okay so i'm gonna go weird here because i'm gonna put uh i'm gonna do the series thing but like i there's 
I'm going to put comic series that are collected in graphic novels okay. as a full story because that's how I read them. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to end up going to end up with two of them because they are two of the greatest stories I've ever read, but I'm going to start with my first one would have to be um, Dracula Bram Stoker. I love that book. I could read that book over and over and over again. It reads well. It translates well. It carries over. Well, there's, there's nothing really that makes that book back in the day. Like even Frankenstein, which is a good book, it's dated. You can when you read it, it's dated. When you read Dracula, you can see modern visions of Dracula. Yeah. In Dracula when you read it from Bram Stoker. And I think that that's just such a fantastic accomplishment. Um so then the next book that I really absolutely love that I wouldn't and I wouldn't be able to not put on here is it's by Jeff Perlman. It's called Boys Will Be Boys. It is an expose history of the early 90s. The, well, the 90s to 2000 era Dallas Cowboys. I was introduced to this book in Chicago when I went to a deep dish pizza place. And I hate the Cowboys because Eagles fans and Cowboys fans are and, and the Cowboys are. They had incredibly comfortable starter jackets in the 90s. Yeah, but they were mortal enemies. Mm -hmm. So I had no reason to read this book. And this waiter guy was like, you like reading. You should read this book. And I read the book and I was like, you were like, wow. fuck you, sir. I was like, this is phenomenal, this book. It was so good. Um, Let's see. I'm a huge Kurt Vonnegut fan. However, I'm going to piss off probably a lot of Vonnegut fans. I like all his books, but if I had to pick one, that's my favorite. It's Slaughterhouse-Five. I love Slaughterhouse-Five. I don't know if you guys have ever read it. It's amazing. I have that and Cat's Cradle on deck. It's the only one I've read. Is really? It's a yeah. peak. It's incredible. As an accomplishment, a literary accomplishment, it's incredible. I got on this time travel kick for a while where anything time-related, um, whether it was time travel, time dilation, people becoming unstuck in time, whatever it was, I just went on this kick of reading everything in that sort of subgenre, and that's how I read it. It's it's phenomenal. Also, Jeff Perlman, anything by Jeff Perlman, sports, even though they're mostly sports-related, he does a he does one on uh, the USFL, which is Donald Trump's football league. Okay, it's phenomenal. There's actually they they did a show. It's called Winning Time on HBO. Oh, we could have done the Art of the Deal. <laughs> winning Winning Time on HBO. Uh, there is a um, there's a there's a it's a it's an HBO show of his based on his book about the Showtime Lakers from the seventies and eighties. And it's he's like an executive producer. Phenomenal. Um, because he doesn't pull punches. That's the reason why I like him. He'll tell you, like, this guy was a philanderer. Or this guy did copious amounts of drugs. Because he investigates everything about, like, he interviews to the, like, the maid that worked at the hotel that they stayed at one time. When they were, like, he's so deeply into it. It's, it's great. Um, I'm going to shout out our uh, friend that was on the show, Jeff Ryan. Um, the and now I can't think of the name of the book, but the book that he wrote about Nintendo, the history of Nintendo, oh, it was, was really good. Was amazing. I so in depth, blew through it. It was so good and well written. I can't wait to read the Spider-Man one 
and the Leia one because I have them both on my Kindle. Um, so that was really good. Um, I mean, there's so many, dude. I, I read so many good biographies. There's a great, uh, there's a great Zeppelin biography that's out there. That's I think it's called. I don't remember what it's called, but it's really good. It's by uh, the guy that followed them around. There's one about, um, there's a trilogy of books that my grandpa got me at a yard sale when I was a kid that I didn't think were going to be good. Like, you know how your grandparents sometimes just give you books? Mm. I didn't think they were going to be any good. This guy is amazing. The books are called the Tripods Trilogy. It's about a post-apocalyptic world where men are enslaved by, like, tripod, like, metallic things and this kid starts a revolution it's incredible i read it i remember sitting down and reading it i had the books for like five years and i never read them they were just there so my grandparents knew that i didn't throw away their gifts you know because sometimes your grandparents like people in general but sometimes people will give you shitty gifts and like you can't really do anything with them but you feel bad if you throw them away instantly so you have to like especially when you're a kid you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings so you just keep the books and like all that stuff you just keep it on display for like ever and then eventually when you get old enough to start like cleaning stuff out and, and paring down stuff, you get rid of it. I was to the point where I was going to get rid of these books. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just read them just to see if they're worth it. And I read them and wow. Awesome. So good. The whole story is great. Um, what am I, what's that for? Four or five? Four. Okay. Um, the Sicilian by Mario Puzo. The guy that wrote The Godfather. The Godfather is great. That book is great. The Sicilian is better. It's set in Italy. And it's about an Italian criminal who starts... It's like the start of the mafia, of what they wanted the mafia to be. It was like this rebellious, you know... Robin Hood, steal from the rich, get from the poor. But it's Italian people with carabinieri guns and stuff. And it's amazing. They made a movie adaptation of it with actually John Totoro. Uh, but it's very hard to find. It's not a bad movie. It's just not The Godfather. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I think, were expecting The Godfather. Yeah, especially at that, at that time frame, yeah. It's a great book, though, if you want a good... He's, a, he's an easy read. Because he makes it so like you can you get what's going on. That's what makes The Godfather so great. Is like there's a lot of complicated mafia things in it, but he just breaks it down so easily for you to understand it. You just digest it very quickly. Um, let's see. There's a really good one, but it, I don't want to put it on my list. But I'm going to recommend it while I'm on here. It's called Running with the Devil by I think it's called Noel Monk. He it was it's about the early years of Van Halen of okay. David Lee Roth, right before David Lee Roth left the band. Um, and how they go from like being these innocent kids to these decadent rock stars to these like, you know, to to where they were when they before they became eighties Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. Yeah, yeah I, st um, I started that one and I never had a chance. To, I didn't get a chance to finish it. I got to the middle where they were just starting to become like really big and like they were talking about like David Lee Roth getting kind of like an ego about him. And I'm like, it's really interesting to see like how he, how he used to be and then see like yeah. what, like what he became with, you know, Van Halen and, and you know, what a little bit of fame can do to somebody. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was good. It was very good. Um, 
so many books I've read over the years that are just really, really good. It's tough to pick. Yeah, same. So I went with the ones that just oh, like gut. Oh, oh, have a nice day, Mick Foley. Great. Did you read it? No. You you gotta read it. It's the there's a lot of really good wrestler biographies out there, and I'll recommend a bunch of them to you because I I read almost every one. But if you want the the pinnacle, there's a trilogy of them. It's it's have a nice day. Foley is good, and. I think the third one is called the Hardcore Diaries. It's the three phases of Mick Foley's WWE career. Then he wrote another book, which I have yet to read about his uh, TNA wrestling career. And he's, I think he's working on a last one about how he now does. Um, he, he, his job is to be a, a Santa Claus and go to people's, they hire him to go to his houses and he as Santa Claus, because he's embraced the fact that he loves, he loves Christmas and Santa. He talks about that in the books, but that's like his job now. And he does a he does a live show like a like a sit down one one man show about his career, and like a stand up comedy show. It's amazing. It's if if you want an in depth look at wrestling behind the scenes and what it takes to become a star when you're not the most physically gifted person in the world, it is great. And the story itself is just great. And the fact that he hand wrote it on like eight hundred pages of notebook pages is fucking amazing. Um, that book blew my mind. What am I on? I got four left, right? I think so. Okay. Um, I really like anything Charles Dickens. But Dickens is tough to read if you're not into him. I like his story structure. Tale of Two Cities is great. Oliver Twist is great. Christmas Carol is good. Just, just read Christmas Carol for the first time. It's good. Yeah. It's just, for me, it's like, he has so much better stuff that I. It's tough for me to 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 read that because it's like that's not even his best book, and everyone reveres that as like it was the best. Right. Like it's not even the best written book. Tale of Two Cities is the best written book that he's ever done, and it's ridiculous because a lot of his stuff is very soap opery. But I love it. Um, I would say Christopher Moore. Uh, the book's called Fool. It's it's tied for me with. Chuck Palahniuk, the guy that did Fight Club, but not Fight Club. The book's called Choke. It's about... Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's called Snuff. It's about a lady who's trying to set the record of being fucked the most times in history. And an illegitimate child that he thinks it, this is his mom enters the thing to get a, an audience with her to tell her he's her kid. And he inadvertently may have met his father in line. And it's the whole story of the the giant. It's it's a it's a really fun, funny book, but it's weird as shit. Which I mean Fight Club is weird too, but um, which leaves me my last two. So as far as I'm concerned, the two greatest independent comic book stories I've ever read were One Hundred Bullets. And why the last man? You cannot separate those into the graphic novels or the each issue. You have to read it all as one to to really appreciate the story behind what's going on. But damn, dude, so good, so good, like just fucking amazing. Hundred Bullets is one of my favorite stories of all time. Do you guys know what it is? No, I'm not familiar with that one. Petey, 
You uh, uh, you told me the premise of it a while ago. Is it like there's only like a hundred bullets that exist in the world or something like that? No. So each so this guy comes to these different people with a briefcase of an unmarked, untraceable gun and one hundred untraceable bullets, and it's people who have been wronged in their life. He hands them the briefcase and then says, "You can do whatever you want with these." Um, and it's mostly people who like are looking to get like revenge on people wrongly accused wrongly you know they were they were they they got turned away they got robbed whatever they're they're somewhere in their life a deviant path happened and their life has been shitty since then and then he gives them these bullets and they can turn their life around and he's starting like a society and it's based on the idea of the 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 civilization of krakoa from north carolina the, the the town that just disappeared that nobody knows why what happened to it or where they went they just disappeared and it's like like pilgrim pilgrims it's like based on that mm-hmm. um and why the last man is basically exactly what it is 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 the story of all the males in the world are killed except for a guy named yorick and his pet monkey and it turns out i don't want to spoil everything for you but i'll this is one of the reasons why i love the entire story you find out that the reason that Yorick and his monkey survived is because the monkey shit that he was throwing at Yorick that was all around the apartment was immune to the disease that ended up killing all, all of male humanity. So monkey shit saved the day. Ultimately. Once again. Once again. Funny, and I remember, right? But the story is really like great. It's like because it makes you think like what really would happen in a completely female dominated society. It's like his mom becomes president because she's like the the next in line after all the men die, mm-hmm. but she's like a comptroller in the in the town or whatever. And it's like, and then all the men die, and it's like, oh, she's next in line. It was kind of like a King Ralph thing, where like she just becomes the president, and then he's she's like, where's my son? My son is still alive. So then if there's this hunt to find him, so it's like they, they send these special agents out, and he comes across. Um, these Amaz- these these they turn into Amazons. They cut one titty off, and they like become like real Amazons. And like they're they're like yeah, he has to hide his identity because anyone that knows that he's the only male left is gonna like try and like abduct him and for money and for whatever because the world is like falling apart because there's no procreation and there's disease and there's all this other. It's and it's like it's really cool to think like because you're always when you're when you're younger especially if you're male you're always projected that like if males didn't exist that the world would be a better place by women they always talk about like how they can do everything better and it's like you really learn from this series that you need both to survive like you can't you can't make it one without the other and that's a very important message i think especially today it's with with all the all the convolution of everything um especially in gender roles i think that it's an important message to know that like we all have to survive together like you can't, you can't just do it by yourself. There's no one way to do it. Um, so, I, but I, I, and I just, it's just really well written. It's funny. There's genuine funny parts. It's a really good read. Uh, and that would be my top 10. Yeah.